during the few moments that we saw him after the conference, they both exclaimed, nothing would have been more easy than to come to an understanding with your emperor. We never wished for more than what he himself acknowledges to be our right. We shall surely someday regret having twice brought Louis the Eighteenth back from Paris. For these bourbons are always the same. They acknowledge now that they owe us their crown because they need us still. But as soon as they think themselves strong, they will become ungrateful. With respect to Admiral Sir George Cockburn, he must have been in his youth and a very handsome man. His countenance was open and his eyes sometimes full of fire. Severity was with him, a habit because, as an honest man and a good soldier, he pardoned neither want of poverty, breach of discipline, nor cowardice. He possessed intelligence and a good natural understanding. Emperor would never have had to complain of him had the instructions of the English government been dictated with less hatred and with less contempt of all human respect and the rights of nations, note that well, two frigates and seven brigs, or soups of war, successively joined the Northumberland, most of them having troops on board. On the 9th of August, the Admiral gave orders for getting under sail, and a few moments afterwards, the whole squadron was underway, tacking an order to get out of the British Channel. Several times did the shores of France appear before our eyes as a vague and formless shadow appears in a dream when the mind and thoughts are touched by a feverish impression. But just as our hope of recognizing or seeing distinctly some points of the coasts was about to be realized, the cursed signal to tack was to us as the awaking which destroys the illusion of a pleasant dream. Once, however, while the emperor was taking his accustomed walk on the deck, the coast of Brittany threw off the clouds which concealed it and presented itself to our eyes as if to receive our last adieu. France! France! was Spontaneous cry, which resounded from one end of the deck to the other, the emperor stood still, looked at the coast, and taking off his hat, said with emotion, Farewell, land of the brave, I salute thee. Farewell, France, farewell. The emotion was electric. Even the English involuntarily uncovered themselves with religious respect. From this moment, we saw no more land till we cast anchor at Madeira and the roses from Cal for the purpose of completing the stock of provisions necessary, as well for our table on board, as for the wants of the establishment of St. Helena during some little time. For the Admiral had already been several times at Jamestown, and knew by experience that he should find no resources there. The aspect of Funchal is picturesque. The town is built on the slope of the mountains, and the ranges of houses rise one above another, like rows of flower pots on stands. We had for a moment hope that we should be allowed to satisfy our curiosity, and that we should 
at least be permitted to approach the landing place in one of the Northumberland's boats. Oh, but nothing of the kind! No one belonging to the ship was allowed to disembark or to hold any communication with the land except Mr. Glover, the Admiral's secretary and purveyor for the ship. These two persons were taken to Funchal in a boat belonging to the frigate Havana. Mr. Glover promised to execute all our commissions for the purchase of various articles of the toilet, indispensable in a long voyage. Out of linen especially, no washing is allowed on board. The water is distributed in rations and is very often so much spoiled that it smells badly. The Northumberland, however, carried her provisions in iron vessels, and the Admiral had several hundred bottles of water, hermetically sealed, put on board for the use of the Emperor and his suite. During the night, a terrible gale of wind threatened to cast our ship on the coast. The Admiral gave orders to weigh the anchor and stand out to sea but we were hardly under sail when two of the masts were broken and our inexperience of accidents at sea would very probably have led us to think ourselves at least in great danger of a shipwreck had the promptitude with which all this mischief was repaired allowed us to be aware of it and in truth, the discipline and sang froid, which always reigned in the Northumberland, were admirable. 